0: a very special conversation with Vanessa Knickerbocker and Megan Carter. Vanessa and her husband Joseph were foster parents to Megan and her husband's kids uh, during a really trying time for Megan. It's it's a powerful story, um, a very vulnerable story, but one I think everyone needs to hear. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Let's get proximate. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. We have an incredible episode today. Um, I met our two guests uh, several weeks ago um, as we were doing a foster event at the Gateway. We were doing a chalk art festival for for our foster families. And we were just going along, seeing all these beautiful chalk drawings. And we came upon this beautiful drawing um, that that, that depicted the the love of, of a family uh, two families actually really coming together and there was a story there and we read the story and we kind of started crying because it was such a beautiful story and lo and behold the folks in the story were standing there in this chalk art um, space we're already crying so this is good <laughs> i'm trying to hold it <laughs> um so Vanessa and Megan are here to tell their story, the story they told us that day. Um so let's just let's just get started. Um let's first of all talk about your backgrounds, where you grew up, um just a little bit about your family. so let's let's start with you, Vanessa.
1: So oh I to start. Um, i'm the the seventh of eight children. I grew up in a a very close, loving home. I went to college um, and ended up not being in the degree that I thought I would find myself in. I ended up doing some family studies um, courses after that, um, looking for a job. I got on the state website and found social worker positions for DCFS. Not actually knowing what the job was, I applied and I remember coming home and saying, well, no worries. I didn't get that job anyway. That was a terrible interview. About a week and a half later, I got a phone call back from the local supervisor who wanted me to come in for a second interview, which I was quite surprised. She was the um, CPS or Child Protective Services supervisor for um, Twilla, where I lived. So... I went in to do a second interview with her, which was basically more of a, when can you start interview? And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm actually getting this job. I don't know what it is. Wow. So I worked with her, went through training, um, actually got, got married, was very sick through most of it. Um, ended up working CPS for almost eight years. Wow. Um, I quit right after my third child was born because I knew I just couldn't continue working that and and being there for my three kids as well. Um so at that point I stopped working in that area. Uh, a couple of years later I started doing some forensic interviewing with our local children's justice center. Um, after oh man, I don't even know.
2: What year was it? 2000,
1: 2018.
2: thousand eighteen.
1: Eighteen, okay. So two thousand seventeen um, I had some feelings that I wanted to do foster care. Um, I actually dismissed those feelings a few times, making up excuses why it wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, the last time it came, it was a very strong feeling that that's what I needed to do. Uh, I had a sister-in-law work, or living with me and I knew with her in my house, I couldn't do it. That night she came to me and told me she was moving out and I was like, okay, this is serious. We need to get on this. So uh, I talked to my husband who is one of the absolutely most amazing, supportive people in the world, and he was all for it. Wow! He said, I want to be there. I want to help people. He was in a position growing up where another family helped him a lot, and he wanted to be able to give back in the same way. So we went through all the classes, did everything we needed to. There were some frustrating things that took longer than we wanted them to and expected them to, and after a few months, we were licensed and waiting for a placement. And the beginning of June, 2018, is when we got the call um, for the placement of Megan's two boys.
0: So that was your very first placement. They were our first placement. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's amazing. So Megan, let's let's talk about your journey, your childhood, and and kind of where where you began.
2: Um, I so I was born in Florida. I uh, lived in. Jacksonville, Florida until I was 15. Um, my, my family struggled with, uh, addiction, um, off and on. And, uh, we des- my mother decided to move us out of Florida away from other family members, um, and try to like, you know, get my dad on the right path and stuff. Um, So she moved us out here – or out to Vegas first. We lived in Vegas for a year. Um, They decided they wanted to go back, but I decided I wanted to stay. Um, So I stayed for about nine months in Vegas um, living with a coworker. Um, How old were you? So we lived there – we lived there for a year, and then they left. I was seventeen.
0: Wow! So you're kind of living on your own at mm-hmm. seventeen. Yeah. Wow, okay.
2: Um, and then they came back and decided we they won. They didn't want me in Vegas anymore because of uh, addiction I, I was struggling with. Um, so we moved to Utah, um, and I dove right back into. I found the right people. I wanted, you know. Um, so off and on I was, I mean, using everything I could, you know, I, at 18 met my boy's father, Austin. Um, we partied, we, you know, done everything we could. I had my first child, he was in jail, um, um, I was alone when I had Aiden. He was born on December 23rd, so I spent Christmas Eve and Christmas in the hospital alone with this baby wow. <laughs> that I had no idea what to do with. Um it was I don't know, I between drugs and going in and out of jail. It you know, it was it was really tough. My parents um most of the time had Aiden. Um, when we weren't there, which was quite often, um, I got pregnant again. And then I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I stopped using, I, uh, was really proud of myself cause I had stopped using, stopped smoking cigarettes. I, you know, was breastfeeding. I was, do- you know, like I was doing everything, but then there was, um, me and Austin started having trouble. Uh, which made me relapse. And then um, I think Jackson was only seven or eight months old. My parents took over. I took off um, and then started a really, really uh, bad. That's when my addiction got really bad. Um, it was <sighs> off and on for Yeah, five years, I think. Was he four? No, four years? He was three. He was three? Okay, so three years. Um, The only time I wasn't using was when I was locked up, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, (laughs) I was on the run from felony warrants uh, when they picked the kids up, um, which made us scared to even try to find out where the kids were. And we, you know... um, But they sent us a notice saying that there was a shelter hearing, um, and I knew I was going to be arrested if I went in, but I was like, I have to go in, you know, and so we went in. I was arrested at court. Um, When I got out, I was living on the streets for a few days, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to lose my kids, and that's the only thing in my life that I love, have ever loved. So... I checked myself in the treatment, and that's when I met Vanessa a few weeks after being in treatment. Or was it two weeks after being in treatment? They, I think, let us have a visit. Yeah, we had the first meeting where we met you, but Mm -hmm. that was
1: not a really – No, it was (laughs) – it was hard because you weren't ready for it yet, I guess. No, I wasn't. That's the word. Um,
2: And it's hard, too, because I remember, like, I remember the time that I did meet Vanessa and Joseph and went in for that first meeting. Like, I was sitting out in the parking lot, and I was so scared. And I was like, these people are here to just take my kids. They're not even going to give me a chance. Even if I stopped using it, I kept making excuses. And, I mean, I sat there in the parking lot, and I was even using in the parking lot right before we went in to the meeting, you know. And I went in there, and I just remember looking around. I was like, I'm never going to do this. They're taking my kids, you know. And... Um yeah. Wow. So. Vanessa, you you
0: had an opportunity then to sort of see her probably at her worst mm-hmm. and you're getting these kids what what were your thoughts going through your head?
1: So when we decided to do foster care, we we talked about it quite a bit and we were doing um doing it to help families not just not to adopt children um for us that was what foster care meant it's to help families and so we we went in with the attitude of going to help the family and it it wasn't about trying to take the kids and adopt them and even in that first meeting that's what we we were trying to tell megan but she was struggling to hear And, and it makes sense i i don't yeah, that, that's normal. Yeah. You know. So we we tried to explain to her, Here, look, we're here for you, we're here to help. We know you're not gonna be perfect, we know this isn't gonna go easy, um, but we're here for you, we're here to support you. And 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 Megan has talked about how at the time yeah, we said that but she didn't really hear it, she didn't necessarily believe it. Which I'm, I think I'm is sure,
0: totally fair. Yeah, I didn't say I'm sure you're not in a frame of mind probably at that moment to sort of believe what what somebody else is telling you, you probably haven't had experience with people telling the truth to you.
2: (laughs) No, no. Like my, yeah, my whole life it's been, you know, lies and crime and addiction. And so I just, I thought the worst, you know, and especially like looking at, I I knew that they were just going to look at everything on, you know, black and white and be like, Oh my gosh, you know, no, we're never giving her children back, you, you know? And I didn't think anything more of myself than that either at that time. Um, for that three years that I was really deep in my meth addiction, it was—I was just trying—I—I I was just trying to die. I mean, yeah. I, I went and see my kids. That was my happy time for a little bit, and then I would, you know, run off, and it just, yeah,
0: wow, wow. So. I want to continue this conversation when we come right back. We are back here with Vanessa and Megan, and we are talking about their story of, of Foster and, um, and, the, and the journey they've been on together. So, um, Megan, you, you've talked about, you know, where you were in your addiction, and you weren't able to sort of see the, the truth that mm-hmm. Vanessa and, and Joseph were talking to you about. Um, what, what happens next?
2: Well, I mean, okay. So I was in treatment. I was having a hard time. They switched my caseworkers. I got a really hard caseworker and she just, no matter, no matter what I said or what I did, it wasn't good enough or it wasn't the right way or, and so I was just confused because I was, I had no idea, you know, what, I didn't I didn't know what to do to you know, try to like make her happy and try to, you know, make treatment happy and try, you know, and so I was really struggling a lot. And when I sat down and thought about it, um, when they finally moved my youngest son in, I finally it occurred to me why I was struggling so bad, and that was because I was holding on to this. I'm just doing this to get my children back. And then I'm going to go back to using when I'm done. That frame of mind is what had me struggling so hard in the beginning. Um, but once I once I realized that and once, you know, I, I started, you know, having a relationship with Vanessa and Joseph, um, that opened my eyes up to, no, there is, there is another way of life. There is, um, there's more than just drugs and, you know, all this, like there's, I I started, I never had role models in my life. And then I started seeing the way that they were with their kids and the way they were with my kids and the way they were with each other. And I I was like, that's it. That's what I want this. Okay. You know, and I guess that's where, I guess the changing point came in. Uh, For me, I still had a hard caseworker. It is still no matter what I did, it still wasn't good enough, but I didn't let it bother me like it did before that. Wow. So, well, I I think that's
0: such an incredible point. We've talked on this podcast a lot about um, that one caring adult, and in this case, two caring adults, even though it's adult to adult, maybe not adult to children, but it's also involving the children. I, I love the idea that, you know, sometimes we haven't seen the correct. Um behavior or or example modeled, mm-hmm. and yet you can reach out and in that moment in your your tough moment, you were still able to look out and see uh and gravitate toward a truth that spoke mm-hmm. to you so so Vanessa, from your point of view, during this situation where were where were you and joseph at
1: so again, because of my background, and I'm a little bit different than most foster parents would be. Um, I went to the caseworker and, and one of the things that I know is that caseworkers are busy. Yeah. They have so much to do. And because I had been a caseworker, I went to the caseworker and said, can I please supervise Megan's visits with her boys? And there was some questioning with all the legal team about that, if that was okay. But they decided to let me do it because I did have the background where a lot of foster parents just don't have that background. I could tell with Megan that there were some better days and and not so good days um and and I didn't really know where she was, but every time I was with her, it was you know and and she'd complain about the caseworker the caseworker was really tough um she she really was, and for better or worse, I doesn't matter she just yeah. was tough right oh, yeah. and so um. She would be like, I don't know, do how mother will do this? Do your best, you know. I having that background, I think, was really a big part of it for us. Um, when she'd get frustrated or down, I'd be like, No, look at this, and look at this, and do this. And so, being able to go and take the boys and be there during the visits and supervise them, and then be able to go back to the caseworker myself and say, Hey, these are what how the visits are going. This is what's going on. These are the great things I see Megan doing. I was. I I was at as many meetings as I could be, if not in person, over the phone. Um, Just tried to be there and really tried to point out all of the good that I saw in Megan.
2: That was a big changing point, too, because I didn't feel like anybody was actually on my side or there for me. But in every team meeting, her and or Joseph were there speaking up for me. And, oh, no, this is the way we see it. This is, you know, where I'd have the treatment team or the caseworker like – well, you didn't do this fast enough. And what are you doing? Why are you like, and they would just nag me. And the only support I felt like I had was Vanessa and Joseph. And because again, like my family's back in Florida anyway, and I wasn't talking to them at the time I had, I didn't have visitors and family like other people at the treatment center. And so when I started seeing that they were my support, it was like, wow, you know, I, there is someone here for me on my side. And that, that was a big deal. Cause I don't know. I'm pretty sure I, I don't think I would have stayed sober, especially after all the trials I've had after being out of treatment. And I don't think I would have stayed sober if I didn't have them as my support, as my family, they were my family. They were there, you know, that's it's such a beautiful story, and it's
0: so powerful because uh, again, we all need that sense of belonging. We all need that sense that someone cares. Yeah. And and I think it, it's absolutely beautiful. So so let's let's fast forward to where we're working on. Uh, you're working on you. Mm-hmm. You're working on the things that they're asking you to do, and then what happens?
1: I think another thing that was really big for us is the the KU two KUTV reading. I don't remember what it was called. Where the kids can read so many minutes. Oh yeah, and then yeah. they get all these tickets for places to go. Oh, okay. So at yeah. the time, um, her youngest was in with her at the treatment center and the oldest was with me, but he had done all this reading and wanted to be able to go and get these tickets and do all these activities that he had earned. And so, but he was going in and spending the weekends with Megan at the treatment center as well. Because he was too old. Because he to, was too old yeah. to actually live there. Oh, But they did give a special permission for him to come in for the weekends. Okay. And so we would take him in on Friday and he'd be there till Sunday night. Well, that didn't leave any time to do all these things that he had earned. And we were like, well, you know, we're going to come in and do some, we could really see that. um, Megan needed an out out of there. (laughs) You know what I mean? She had, she had progressed enough in her treatment where she could leave the, the facility, but she didn't have anywhere to go or anyone to be with. And so we're like, we need to go get, we need to go, go pick them up and take them on these outings. So most Saturdays, I, it was really most Saturdays. Mm-hmm. We would come in, pick them up. Um, there were five of us in our family and three of them, and we had an eight-seater car, so we filled every seat, and we'd go, and we'd go do whatever it was, and and we would go. I remember going, was a back-to-school shopping that we took you mm-hmm. one week for the boys.
2: Um, we, we went want, to Discovery Gateway. We went to Discovery we Gateway. To Clark mm-hmm. We went to Clark Planetarium. We went to, we walked around the temple um, we, I don't know. And we did, we just did so many things. And like, I, I had never done any of that, you know? And so going and doing that and being like a part of a family and with my kids and it was just, it, it was a fulfilling feeling that I'd never had before. And, and that, it just, I don't know.
0: it. Well, I think yeah. it's what many <laughs> of us take for granted. It is. Yeah. Um and you know, for someone that's never had that sense of belonging, of of feeling loved and supported, I think um, you appreciate it more than probably you know we should appreciate it more. Um, and and you do because you're you're really experiencing it for the first time, which I think is absolutely incredible. Um, that that you, Vanessa and and Joseph would, I guess, to me, and I'm not sure we always. See this type of relationship um, and and maybe why do, why do you think that is?
1: I don't totally think I have the answer for that, but I can tell you from us when Joseph and I decided to become foster parents, and like I said, we wanted to be there for families that needed someone that didn't have that family support that didn't have that. And, and, um, Megan's kids were our first placement and we realized very quickly that they didn't have that and that they needed that. So for us, it was, it was normal. It didn't feel, and it still doesn't feel like we did anything amazing. We just, did what we felt like needed to be done or was right. That was it. It it was, I mean, I I don't want to say it was that simple, but it was. Um, And and I don't want this to sound mean, but we didn't want to adopt her children. Right. We didn't want to. That wasn't our goal. Our goal was to help the family. And there was a time when this caseworker came to me a couple times and said, we're terminating Megan's rights. I hope you're ready to adopt these boys. And I was fuming. I was so mad. I was like, no, that is not right. She has done what you've asked her to. She has done everything that she should have. And I was so frustrated. And she went to court and asked for her rights to be terminated. And they declined her. They denied her those rights. They they gave Megan back the rights. And I remember like a big relief because I knew that that was right, that that Megan had done it and that she did deserve her children back. And so for us, it was all. So at that point, it kind of changed, I guess, for us too. to, uh, okay. Now Megan needs to know how to survive out of treatment with her boys sober. So we wanted to kind of model that a little bit. And that's why, you know, these, these outings did become a big deal and, and we were busy and we were crazy, but that was what was important to us. Um, when the the oldest boy struggled quite a bit because he couldn't live there mm-hmm. picking him up from visits on sunday nights i wouldn't do without my husband because he could get he could get violent mm-hmm. um there were times i don't know if, if you remember i think it was K, we were at kfc once yeah. eating lunch and he wanted her to buy him a, a drink a soda and and megan said no and he He got pretty violent and, and my husband picked him up and took him outside and said, you will not treat your mother like that in front of me. Wow. And there was another day we were shopping at target and he wanted a shirt or I don't, he wanted something and you said no. And he started freaking out again. And my husband just picks him up and carries him out to the car and said, we'll be in the car until he's ready to come back in.
2: And there was so many times at the treatment center on the nights that he would stay. He knew he was having to go home. And right before that, he would he'd have these big freakouts, and he would hit me and he would throw things and he would scream and he would bring up. You got us taken and, you know, and come to find out after hours of all this craziness with him, it was I don't want to leave. They make me leave. And I was it was devastating, you know, and there's nothing I could do about it. And then he felt like I he would think that I did it and lied to him, you know, cause there was trust issues from me using and me, you know, saying I'd come home and I wouldn't. And so there was big trust issues. And then, you know, I, he thought I was lying to him and only wanted Jackson, my youngest there. And so it was, I, but Vanessa, she'd call me anytime if you need help. And there had been a couple times that I had to call her and like, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've never actually done this with them. Um, so yeah,
0: it was yeah, <laughs> well in the trauma I'm sure that he's going through, he's trying mm-hmm, yeah. to process his emotions, he's trying to process what this means for yeah. him and and you know, we we talked yeah. in a previous podcast about um a book Permission to Feel and really identifying those emotions um is critical for for those children. Um this again, this is such an intriguing story. I know that folks are going to just Really feel touched by this. So I want to continue this conversation when we come right back. We are back here with Vanessa and Megan. We are talking about their relationship, their families. Uh, I should say family, it mm-hmm. feels like right now. So, but let's, Megan, let's talk about where you are right now with your immediate family.
2: Um, well, how are things going right now? So we, we are just, we've never lived the way that we live now we 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 are able to go out and do the things that we want we go out every weekend either hiking camping you know we do so much and it's we work hard and we play hard but that's like that's our you know that's our family and we i don't know it's it's there's things that we implement now that you know mean a lot to us like every we are going to at least have one meal at night dinner together we sit together we talk about school we talk about you know just i we've we're stronger now i think because of everything that we went through um than we've ever been and we have learned and now we have the things that we learned from our experience we we implement them now and it's we're making memories and we're having fun and you know, it's there, there's no, there's nothing like it used to be. I don't know how to explain It's, but you know, if I didn't have Vanessa and Joseph model that for me, I don't know if I would have even known where to start or what to do. You know, yeah. um, I was in a really bad car accident a little over a year ago, um, that left me in a wheelchair and, I'm still learning to walk now. I don't I still don't walk all the way great. Um but I feel like that made me and Austin bond stronger. Um He would have to carry me to the bathroom. He would have to wash me. He would have wow. But you know, it he he was there and he it, I don't know. I I never I I don't know if I could have done it. <laughs> it was rough, but you know, he, he was there and he was full-time father. And I mean, he was full-time caretaker of me. And my dad came out for a little bit to watch the kids so he could work. Cause it was cutting into him having, he couldn't work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then COVID hit real bad. And so it just, it was one thing after another, but you know, we got through it and we dealt with it. Whereas before I think we would just, Oh my gosh. And gave up and went back to using, but that is not at all our attitude anymore like we face things we get through it and we come out stronger and it's yeah it's beautiful absolutely
0: beautiful Vanessa you you talked about this relationship first of all you guys are a family mm-hmm. um with the with uh, the Carters and um talk a little bit about you know that idea of of really kind of the reunification piece of this story
1: So, like I said, um, for us, foster care isn't about just the children. It's about the family. And I I strongly believe that um, foster care isn't about adoption. That's for adoption agencies. But foster care is about healing a family and um, foster parents are a huge part of it. One of the things that That Joseph and I talked about several times was that if, for any reason, any of our foster children that come into our home are not able to go back to their parents, I want them to know that I fought for their parents as much as I could. Wow. That I did everything I could do to help them so that I could feel like I was doing the best I could by them and that I never gave up on their parents. I was always there for them to be with their parents. So that way, if it ever did go to
0: adoption, they would always know that I love their parents too. That is absolutely incredible and um, and really a powerful example of what this system can look like, um, what it it should look like, and what we're striving Mm -hmm. for it to look like. Um, Vanessa, tell me... What do you wish people knew?
1: I wish people knew how amazing people like Megan are. She's my hero. She is 100% my hero. I have so much respect for her. And my husband laughs that it's like we're grandparents now. (laughs) (laughs) we can have fun with the kids and send them home when we're done (laughs) and and in a way it feels that way I talked to Megan and, and COVID made things really tough and we've actually been more together we go out and do stuff still we like to hang out together we're family, we love it we Megan will say hey we should go do this or, or the boys will say hey we should go do this or we'll say hey come do this with us and we're always planning more things to do together and unfortunately we're often too busy to do many of them or we have to change schedule and we can't do this like we thought we would if we got to, but come out and do this with us instead and we're switching back and forth but the the reward I guess is the best word for it the reward of the love and the bond that we have built there is nothing I've ever felt better than that
0: absolutely amazing and and beautiful um Megan what do you wish someone in your if you could talk to yourself you know five ten years ago however long what what would you say
2: um that's hard there's so many things I'd say but um just there's there's a whole there's a whole other world there there's more to life that you can be and get out of life. You you just you have to step out of you know what you've known sometimes and um, put yourself around better people so that. Um, And learn to look and and trust when those better people come in your life because they they did come into my life and I didn't trust it, you know. I was so scared. Um, But sometimes you just have to let go and just let things happen and and take every moment in and um, just, yeah, there's, it's not always easy, you know. To step out and, and stop doing, you know, or just like addiction. It's it's not easy when you're going through it, and it's not easy to get away from it. But when you do, it's it's so rewarding. There is no feeling like when I'm with them and my kids are playing with their kids, and just just to step back and look at what's going on. There's no high better than that. <laughs> you can't find a high better than that. You can't, I, you know, I, I've, I've been there and done all that. Like I felt it. I know. And I've been there and done this. And I, I just, I, I, yeah, it's like, I almost feel like a junkie sometimes going to like, we got to go next. We got to go, we got to be together and do this. And like, that's what I'm hooked on now, you know? And, it's not just a feeling for me. It's a feeling for my whole family. You know, it's, it's for all of us and there's, yeah, it's just, there is nothing like it. And yeah. Yeah. So
0: thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you both for sharing this powerful story. This is the story, um, at least a little bit of what we heard that day. Um, at the Chalk Art Festival, and that touched my heart. And I thought to myself, you know, we're not always going to have the ideal. We're not, it's not always going to be maybe as, as a happy ending um, that, that you're seeing, I guess, or a happy continuation. There's, there's not, not an end here. But, um, but I think we can always strive. And through your powerful examples, I think we can show a a better way and a way that that people can look to. Um just like Megan you looked to Vanessa for for guidance for for that example, I think many in the foster space can look to both of you mm. for for how this can look. Um and and you know this is such a human endeavor. I keep saying that as as I've d- dived into this uh, foster space. It's such a human endeavor. There's so many pieces and emotions and, and crazy things that go on. Um, and so it, it, it's tough and we're all giving each other some grace right now to, to really focus on what matters. So again, thank you. Thank you for, for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing your powerful, powerful story. Thank you for being here today. Of course. Thank you That's, for having Thank us. you. Yeah. We would like to thank Vanessa and Megan for being on the podcast today, for sharing their incredible story. If you want to get involved in foster care, if you want to become a foster parent, visit utahfostercare.org. And we also want to give a shout out to get you to read uh, our book for our next book club, Think Again by Adam Grant. Thanks for being a friend.